Glad you're here. Final week of our series, Practical Atheist. Uh, I've enjoyed the service and the, the services in the series. I hope you have. I've had some wonderful comments from you. I've had some uh, not so wonderful comments, uh, not not about the ser- sermon series, but about the depth of the series and how that series has kind of hit you right between the eyes in some respects. Uh, actually, my intent. So I'm glad that that uh, that's happened in some of your lives. We're going, to, we're going to dive right in in First uh, Titus excuse me, chapter 1 and verse 16. Let's take a look up here uh, at that. I think, it, I think I've got it, Jeff. Do I have that one? There we go. Let's take a look at what they claim. They claim to what? But by their actions, what happens? So in other words, practical atheism. They claim to be something but their lives show something altogether different. And how does it say, how does Titus say that they are? It says they are what? Wow. <laughs> that's, that's pretty strong stuff, isn't it? You ever been there? Any of you still there? <laughs> Well, I've got great news for you if you're still there. (laughs) Practical atheists. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. I've shared this statistic with you all through the series. 94% of Americans claim to believe in God or some universal spirit, but as we look at those 94% of Americans... We know very plainly that all of them do not know God personally. So I guess the question of the hour for each of us is, do we really know God? And if you go back to the very first week we studied the truth that many people know, many people believe in God, but yet they don't fear Him, right? It's true. They believe in God, yet they still want to do whatever they want to do, They're not going to let God impact their personal lives. And why would that be? It's because they really don't know Him. If they knew Him, they would fear Him. Week two. I believe in God, but I I, I don't want to take Him too seriously. I mean, I don't want to go overboard. And so many people are lukewarm. Why are they lukewarm? It's because they don't really know Him. If they knew Him, they'd be on fire. Week three, I believe in God, but I must I, I, I trust in money. Why do people trust money to provide them security and happiness? Because they really don't know God. If they knew Him, they wouldn't trust in something else to provide what only God can provide. I believe in God, but so many people would have to admit they just really don't know Him. In fact, just the thought of knowing God relationally for many people is hard to swallow. He is more concerned about our relationship than He is anything else with us. You can do all the rituals you want. You can do all the ceremonies you want. You can do all the mantras and chants you want. But what God wants more than anything is to walk with us. That's what made the Garden of Eden such a beautiful place. The Bible says, if you read in Genesis, it says that God came every day to walk with Adam. Can you imagine? Wow. He 
would come down and walk in the garden with him. How was he so stupid to eat that piece of fruit? He knew him. But did he know him? Did he know him? Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. I, 32 years ago, I knew who Cindy was. She was a little good-looking gal in the library at our college. I was a senior fixing to graduate, go out and change the world for Jesus. She was this young, good-looking freshman girl that came in. And senior boys in a college the size of Dallas take notice of good-looking girls that come in as freshmen, especially when you're a senior and you don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> I spent more time in the library my first two months in college than I had my, all, all my college career because of that little girl up there working at the counter. And one night I got all my term papers written. I'd, I'd done all the, I'll, I've never done that. I've never done that. But I got them all done, and I had the last one, and I had that little portable stapler with me, you know, to staple my pages together, and I was out of staples. So I went up and asked her if I could borrow the stapler. And she says, well, who are you? I thought, whoa, 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 who am I? I I'm, I'm, the, I'm the vice president of the student council. I'm a senior. I'm, I'm Harold Phillips. What do you mean, who am I? What kind of a question is that, punk? But I love that spunk. And I wanted to get to know her better. I mean, I knew about her, but I didn't know her very well. And so as I began to understand who she was and know more about her, I found in her, and I'd never seen this in a girl before, who really wanted to know God as much as I did. Who really loved God as much as I did. In fact, more. I, and it was uncharacteristic for me. I didn't even try to kiss her for quite a while. I just want, I was just so in awe that somebody that beautiful and that awesome would even want to hang around this lunk like me. And so I was trying. Boy, I'd take her to the youth groups with me to see how she'd do at church. And boy, she'd jump in. Whoo, man. I said, I done got me a good one. So I, I tell you, I made a romantic deal with this because I was going to get to know her better. I dated her, I courted her, I flirted with her, I did all of that stuff. And you know what I discovered about and, of course, now I know her very well. And 32 years later, I'm still learning about things about her that are exciting and new and fresh. And she says to me all the time, how long have we been married? And that's, always, that's never a good thing for them to say. Because I should remember something after that statement. But usually I've forgotten it. But I'm learning and I'm getting to know her and I'm knowing her deeply, more deeply all the time. But I thought back to how we were in the beginning, and I, you know what? That's a lot like how people are with God. They date Him, they flirt with Him, they court Him, but they don't really know Him. They don't take the time to go deeper in that relationship. Because, you know, it's just okay to be right here on the surface. I don't want to know all the other stuff. I don't want to do all the other stuff. I, I, just, I just want enough of Him that He doesn't cramp my style. But today I want to develop for you knowing God on three different levels. And I hope you'll, you'll ride with me real quickly. Number one, some people, they believe in God, but they do not know Him. 
And you may say, well, but isn't knowing Him enough? Isn't that enough? I believe in God. But the book of James says that even the demons believe and they have enough sense to tremble, to shudder in the presence of God. And there's so many of us... <laughs> We don't, get, we don't get trembly in, front, in, in the fact that we know God or in front of Him. In fact, we tell God what He needs to do. And we tell God how fast He can do it and how fast He can get there and how far He needs to go. That's how bold we are. That's why I love that story that Don was telling about the boat. I mean, that 93-ton boat, and these waves are just picking it up and throwing it down, picking it up and throwing it down. That's just water. Just think what God could do if He decided to. Hello? <laughs> you been through a tornado lately? It's just wind. That's all it is. It's concentrated wind in a circle. That's all it is. Stand up to it and blow it away. Come on, people. What do you do when you see a tornado like that? I'm out here jumping that Freddy hole. Isn't that what Don Wood used to call it? Jumping that Freddy hole. I can't. Woo. You, no, because you know there's destruction there. Why do, why do people... Flee the coastlines when a hurricane comes. It's just wind and rain. Stand up to it. Be a man. Here we go. Idiot. Get out of here. <laughs> It'll drown you if it. I mean, if you're going to live in a city that's below sea level, you deserve what you get. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Well, the seawall gave way. No joke. 1 <laughs> John. Chapter 2, 3, and 4. Here we go. We know that we have come to know Him if what? <laughs> you mean God actually expects us to be obedient? What's that all about? Look what else. The man who says, I know Him, but does not do His command, is what? Oh, hey, 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 hey. Calling me names. He's a liar. And the truth is not in him. Now, I don't know that they are intentionally lying, but the fact that when we don't obey God, we are in essence a liar when we say we're a Christian. Can I get an amen? Ooh. Scripture says they're lying. They know about him. But they don't really know Him. Put in another... I mean, there's people who can quote Scripture. They can rattle, rattle off in, uh, historical facts. They have this head knowledge, but they don't have this heart relationship that God so much wants with us. What did God... How did God describe David? A man after God's own... Ah. He didn't say a man after God's own head. God's own knowledge. He said, a man after God's own heart. Because where the heart is, that's where the emotions are. Guys, when you get this, your head, involved with this, your heart, you're in deep trouble. I knew she was a pretty girl. But when I got this involved, oh, she became more pretty. God has become more real to me as I've gotten this attached to this. Are you with me so far? Stay with me. Most people will might even miss God by a mere 18 inches. 
One of the most troubling verses is found in Matthew 7. Didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Lord, Lord, they cried out. Didn't we do all of these things? <laughs> Look what Jesus says to them. It's pretty. I mean, now this would be the equivalent of us today going, well, I went to Sunday school when I was a kid. I mean, after all, I went through confirmation class. I mean, after all, I, I even put a dollar in that bucket to that guy ringing a bell outside of Walmart. I mean, that's us today. We really think that we're spiritual. Well, you know, I, I mean, hey, I've come to church. But are we doing anything beyond that? Look what Jesus says to them. Then I will tell them plainly, what? And then he says, away from me, you evildoers. Whoa. Well, when I read that up there, prophesy in your name, drive out demons and perform many miracles, that looks like spiritual stuff going on. You done any, of the, you know, you done any miracle stuff lately? You done any driving of demons lately? You ever done any prophecy lately? Man, we're pretty down on the totem pole compared to these guys, and yet Jesus says, I don't even know who you are. Because you see, it's not about the deeds you do, it's about the relationship you have. Amen? You can say you're married, you can even have a certificate that says you're married, but if you never act like you're married, it's not much fun, is it? Ladies, if your husband never comes home, but he just calls you occasionally, texts you occasionally, says, hey, I love you. And men are just notorious for this, aren't they, women? You'll tell them how much you love them. You will, you will give up your emotions. You will just do all that. And, he'll, and, and you'll say, you'll have to beg, drag it out of him. Well, do you love me? And I love what they say. What do they say? Oh, you know I do. Or they'll say, ditto. Boy, that's got a lot of romance to it. I love you, ditto. Oh, man. Boy, I can't wait to see you, big boy. Yeah. But isn't that the way God is? He says, I love you. And we go, ditto. Come on. Hey, if a girl tells you she loves you, man, jump on that deal. They always smell better than we do anyway. If for no other reason, hang out to smell better. You know what I'm saying? But he just, he, God, Jesus is so clear here. He says, I know, I know about you. But I don't really know who you are. There's a second group that I want you to see here. And it's those who believe in God and they know Him, but they don't know Him very well. They don't know Him very well. I ran across this great story about a kid who idolized a guy named George Brett. Any of you know that name, George Brett? He was an outstanding uh, uh, third baseman for the Kansas City Royals. I mean, this guy was something else. One of the best that's ever played the game. Well, this kid who idolized him, he was one of those kids that was a baseball card collector. He had 17 rookie George Brett cards. I mean, it made him kind of cocky about the baseball card collecting business. You know what I'm saying? He happened to be, he happened to be in Kansas City in 1996 playing in a national tennis uh, final. And he was in the plaza area of Kansas City. He looked up and lo and behold, across the plaza was nobody, no more than the man, George Brett. 
So this story goes on. This kid ran over to him and he says, Hey, I know you get this all the time, but listen, I, I, I just got to know. I just got to let you know that you're the man. You're the man. In 1980, you batted 390. You almost batted over 400, which would have broken Ted Williams' record of, uh, in 1941. You had 18 RBIs in only 117 games. I, I mean, you're the man. And so this kid, he, he, he didn't know him any better than he'd heard about him. And he had read about him and he collected cards about him. But the kid just, he goes, oh man. And so George Brett, he had heard that George Brett was kind of a cocky guy. But all this kid found was humility and hospitality. And, and he says, man, you know a lot about me. And so the kid looks up at him and he goes, oh, I'm just getting started. And so George Brett took the time. And the friend that was with George Brett looked at this guy like he was a stalker or something, you know, this kid. But he took the time to sit down and have a drink with him, bought him a soda, and they sat down and they talked for about 30 minutes. Because now he got a chance to know George Brett deeper, didn't he? He only knew him on a card. Now he began to know him as a person. And the truth is, you and I have some knowledge. But the real question of the hour is, has God changed you by your knowing him? Or are you about the same as you've always been in your walk with God? Not really overly concerned, not really overly upset, not really whatever, not really overly challenged, just, you know, don't rock my boat there, you know, don't rock my world. You've been informed about God, but not transformed by Him. Just like the kid knew George Brett, you haven't radically, fanatically changed, been changed by Him so that you might say, well, that, does that mean that I'm, I'm saved? Well, I don't know. I'm going to say possibly. Because if you've just known Him, but you haven't really changed because of knowing Him, are you saved? Hmm. It's an interesting thought. Paul kind of ran on to this in Galatia. In chapter 4 and verse 8 and 9, he talks a little bit about this. Formerly when you did not, What? You were slaves to those who by nature are not gods, but now that you what? Or rather are known by, next verse please, God, how is it that you are, what does he say? To those weak and miserable principles. So if you're going to go back to alcoholism, if you're going to go back to drug abuse, if you're going to go back to in slavery, he says why? They're weak. And if you've overcome any of that, you understand how weak you really were back at that point. Didn't amen. Yeah, oh no, we don't want to talk about that preacher. Move on now. That's getting too close to home. Do you wish to be enslaved to these things all over again? There are many who believe in God and yet they just sort of know Him, but not very well. Then there's that third group, and I hope this is where most of you fall. I think some of you do fall. And it's those who believe in God, they know Him intimately, and they serve Him wholeheartedly. What does that mean? What it means for me is that I am becoming more and more aware of God, that He's with me all the time. No matter where I am, what I'm doing, He's there. And I'm aware of it. And that causes me to make a little bit better choice in what I'm fixing to do. Amen? Instead of four hot dogs, I just eat two because he's there. 
Instead of going to the buffet, I drive by most of the time. Instead of getting real ice cream at Brahms, I get that nasty yogurt stuff. In the junior size cone, not in the small or the large. The large is a great one. It's like this big. You pull it out and your whole face goes, oh, it's great. A little junior when you know, two bites and you're done. But hey, Cindy brought home some Weight Watchers ice cream the other day. Glory to God. Each bar said one point. I had 12. Because <laughs> I was out. <laughs> but you see, it's just what I'm talking about is doing life with God. That's what I'm talking about. Let's look at Psalm 63. Wow. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Whoa! So thirsty, you got to drink from God. So hungry, you can't wait to feed from His Word. In a dry and weary land. I have seen you in the sanctuary. And beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life. Your love is better than what? Life itself. Having the love of God flowing in you is better than life itself. Woo! My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. Now we're in the independent Christian church. We don't raise them all the way up, do we? A few of you do. I know some of you are radical. I know it. I've watched you. Some of you throw them hands up there and you act like, whoop, look here. But Christian church, you know, we only go here. Sorry. Then we look around and make sure anybody's watching us, right? That's right. And if you're really uncomfortable with that, you only go, you only go one hand like down here by the hip. Partial surrender. Partial surrender. I love it. If somebody sticks a gun up to you, what's the first thing you do? That's it. So just think of God sticking a gun in you. Okay, that'll work. I don't know what it works, but surrender. It's all about surrender, isn't it? What's wrong with this right here? Nothing. When I see my granddaughter now, you know what the first thing I do? I didn't even say anything. I just threw this right here. Why? Because I want her to know this is wide open. You come over here. And what does she do? Hug to her mother. She clings to her mother. Then I go peel her off of her mother, and then she goes, okay. And then she comes over. I'm telling you. That's the way God is with us every day, isn't it? It's like this. He said, come on. Come on. Oh, my goodness. I've seen Him in the sanctuary. My lips will glorify You. I can't be quiet about You. I will praise You as long as I live. And in Your name I will lift up my hands. God, I seek You. I know You. I've seen You. I've experienced You. The things of this world, they don't satisfy anymore. God, I, I don't just know about You. You're my God. I've seen You. I've beheld Your power. I know who You are. My lips are going to declare your goodness. My hands cannot stay down because, God, I know you. I was watching Oklahoma get beat by Miami last night. The first part of the game, OU was beating the tar out of those guys. And I kept seeing people in the stands, OU would do something good, and they'd throw their hands up like this. Woo! Right? Well, next time God does something good in you, 
Now, if you're driving, keep one hand on the wheel. But you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Don't be afraid to let God know you love him and you praise him. It's the greatest way to reach up to him, isn't it? Right here. Reach up to him. And we throw those holy hands up to the Lord because it won't hurt at all. Now, I'm not asking you to jump pews and do wild things while your hands are up. If I jump a pew, it's going to hurt me. So I don't do that. But I guarantee you, I'll glorify God in a heartbeat. Amen. I'll stand there and glorify God in any chance I get. Let's take a look at Psalm 9. Psalm 9. Those who, what? Will do what? For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who, what? Oh, brother. Oh, my goodness. Look at that right up there. Those who know your name will trust in you. So do you? Do you know him? Do you have an intimate relationship with him? How well do you know God? Ann Spangler has written two books. The Names of God and the Names of Jesus. been putting some of those in the uh, Pastor E update uh, each week. Would encourage you to read those. Those are awesome. Pick up those books. They're great. Because you're going to learn more about God and Jesus than you've ever known. Because their names, the names that they're called in the Bible, have such powerful meanings. Because the name reveals the intimacy. Jesus. The very name of Jesus brings peace, brings calm, brings awesomeness in the midst of chaos you can be sick and hear the name jesus and for a brief moment you'll feel calm and peace why is that because of the power of the name god is with us that's what it means god is with us so if you believe in him and you don't trust him it's because you don't really know him and as I get to know Him, and as I develop my relationship with Him, I'm going to tell you something wonderful happens. I become different. I become different. And I want to encourage you this morning to let God touch you in such a way. And I, I'm telling you right now, the easiest part, the easiest part of being a, a believer and a Christian is simply seeking Him and turning to Him and asking Him to come and be your Savior. He just opened this up. Place after place after place. He says, you come to me, you seek me, and you'll find me. He says it over and over and over again. I also say that in here, it will help you grow deeper. But it will never help you grow deeper if you don't spend some time in here. But I'm going to warn you ahead of time. Don't go in here unless you're ready. See, how many classes have you been through? How many workshops have you been through? How many times have you gone to a class, but you're not really any different in your walk with God because you opened this, you looked at it, you read the words on the page, but did, they let, did you let that penetrate you? Did you let it really get into you? Because how can you study this right here, get out in the car, go to, go to get lunch somewhere, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you cuss them out? Something happened between here and there, Amen. Between this room and the, and the parking lot, something happened to you. It's a radical change. Unbelievable. I want you to let them cut you off and just say, well, praise God. Praise God. Cindy gets on me all the time because I, I follow too closely. And I tell them, but honey, I want them to see my face. So I started backing off, especially if I'm in her car. 
oh my goodness, we can't get close. My old truck, she doesn't really care. Right, whatever. But boy, what a sad attitude that is. So I'm really working on changing that and changing how I respond to people. I smile a lot more than I used to. I'm discovering I don't have to say anything, just smile a lot. And they wonder what you're up to. That's even better. Amen? But when God really gets in here, and I'm telling you, maybe you've, you've sensed that in this series, this thing's really hitting close to home because it hit close to this home. I had a guy leave a few weeks ago after the first message, and he hadn't been back since, I've noticed. But after the first message, he said, man, you're too heavy to be stepping on my feet. I said, ain't nothing about your feet, it's about my feet. I'm just sharing the load, all right? And that's what this has been about. It's been about some of my journey, and it's been about some of me, and I'm hoping that you are understanding where I've been and where I'm going, and I'm, I, I encourage you again to want to jump on and, and be on that journey with me. And my prayer for you, from the Word of God is really summed up in Ephesians chapter 1. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance, in the saints, and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That's my prayer for you through the series Practical Atheists, is that you will know Him and grow in Him and let Him be in you all in all. And every day, in every way, you sense His presence. Let's pray together. God, would you just stir us deeply? That we would never be the same. And God, we worship you today. We worship you for what you've done and what you're going to do. And God, we worship you for what you're about to do. There are some here today. You just kind of know him, but you don't know him very well. God, I pray that those that find themselves like that, being a practical atheist, that they'd be willing to trust you more and know you deeper and better. God, I, I pray that you would give them such a hunger and a thirst for you that they couldn't go a day without seeking you. God, I thank you right now that you promise that your promise is true. That when we seek you, you reveal yourself to us. Oh God, I thank you ahead of time that as people get to know you, not about you, but know you. That you're going to take them miserable in the most and make them miserable in the most wonderful way. And that, and that you are going to do something different. And their values are going to change. And they're going to loosen the grip on themselves. And they're going to turn that grip to you. God. I pray that they will crave all the benefits that you have for them. I pray that they will crave you like never before. And God, why do I pray that? It's because you revealed yourself to each of us. And each of us need to respond to that revelation. Jesus prayed in John 17. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know God. God, 
God, you sent, you sent Jesus to reveal your heart as a father. He hung on the cross and he hung out with wild people and with sinners, but he hung on that cross so that we might have forgiveness. He loved us.